Hello, Mr. Zebra. Can I have your sweater? Cause it's cold, cold, cold in my whole, whole, whole. Ride it to we strike a line. Sometimes she was a Alright, welcome everyone. This is a actually a very special uh, episode of That Where It Got Me High because it's because it's late here. I'm on the East Coast and it's like after 10 p.m., which usually I'm in bed asleep already. So uh, I'm going to try and keep it like a, like a late night thing because uh, one of my guests is, is on the West Coast. Before I get to my guests real quick, I just want to mention a couple of new uh, patrons. I don't know, did I mention uh, that record got me high and I'm Rob Elba? I don't even know if I did that. It, it's it, uh, like I said, I'm normally asleep by now. Uh, I'd like to mention a couple of new patrons to the show, uh, Nick Morfitt and Brian Franklin. <laughs> Two new patrons oh. to the show. Uh, you can become a patron. Wait, by going is this in. the reason he became a patron? Was this episode uh, that we're we'll, about to do? Uh, we'll get to that. I haven't even introduced you yet, Kenny. Already you're going off script. Uh, <laughs> if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmhe become a patron of the show like uh, our new patrons nick and brian thank you so much all right so now i'd like to welcome to the show the co-host of the sideways society podcast drive all night the songs of tori amos and tour all night Ephraim jr Ephraim jr Ephraim jr and tori amos super fan that's how that's how we're gonna call you kenny <laughs> tori amos super fan Kenny Franklin. Welcome Person to the show. Who's both. heard the music? Kenny Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show, both of well, you. And we I'm are patrons to your show, so uh, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> I do have to stop you, Rob. I, 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 it is with much chagrin that I mentioned you forgot all of my podcasts. We also host not only Tour All Night, but Tour All Year. Not only Drive All Night, but Drive All Night Plus. Oh, okay. And also <laughs> our daily show, Never Shut Up. <laughs> which uh, we pull a different Tory song from the Torical every day. And we think about our day in relation to that song. Oh, so. wow. So they're all, but they're all Tory related. Uh... Absolutely. We are, we are, we are pumped in the Tory vertical. <laughs> well, that's great. And that's awesome. And that's like something that I always tell, like people who ask about getting into podcasts, I say, the more specific you get, the better it is, because then you get an audience that really just wants to hear what you're putting out there. And I listen, I will admit, I listened to an episode of uh, Drive All Night and I listened to a Tour All Night episode just to get the, the flavor of it. And, you know, it's great, but it's obviously not for me because I'm not a huge Tori Amos fan. So, well, OK, that's true. That's true. Yes. But uh, but yeah. And, and uh, obviously uh, we've already given it away what we're talking about tonight. But why don't you uh, guys tell me we're going to talk about a specific album by, of course, Tori Amos. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Boys for Pele, Tori's third album, first self-produced record. Boys for Pele came out in 1996 um, and often considered her masterpiece. 
Boys for Pele. All right. Now, before we get into all this, I have one question that I want to ask both of you. And I want you guys to be honest with me, okay? I want you to just be honest. All right? Has Tori Amos ever gotten some kind of restraining order against either of you? <laughs> I don't know about Kenny. If, so, if she's smart, well, she it, might. If have. it would be either one, it would be. It would be. <laughs> it would be you, Ethan. No way. I keep a professional yeah. distance. Okay. I. All right. Tori that's a, that's a, is, all right. I'm just curious. Around the country and around the world, I don't think she recognizes me when I see her. Although she did look into my eyes when I was in the front row in Atlanta. Um, a few times, uh, a couple weeks back, as you know, um, but I don't, I don't know that she recognized me, but she knew that I needed to be there and that she should be looking at, like there was some sort of connection. Ah, okay. All right. So yeah, I was, uh, you know, but no restraining <laughs> order. No restraining order. <laughs> I was, was kind of kidding a little, but not, but not really because I mean, you could, you could fair, it's fair to say that you are both obsessed with Tori. So, all right. The, the one obvious, thing, I don't know if that's fair. I, no? I'm going to pick that apart. I don't know if it's fair to say I'm obsessed with Tori. I do not obsess you over got like Tori. Six, you'd make six podcasts about <laughs> well, let's define the word obsession here, Rob. Okay. <laughs> um, I brought him here, so I don't seem as because all of my friends um, and, and probably my family would would use that adjective to describe me. Right. Um, but I, I sometimes tell them, you know, as serious as I am with my fanhood, um, there are a couple of levels above me, and um, it, it is fascinating though because her her fan base. Um, at this point is a very dedicated and intense fan base around the world. I don't know how else. I'd, I mean, I'd be curious to hear how Ephraim might describe it because he's even more engrossed in the rest of the community than I am. But that's just my observation. I mean, it is a it is a widespread community, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm obsessed with Tori Amos. I think that the music itself has helped me through so much of my life, through my formative teenage years and into my adulthood. Okay. That it's a part, it's, it's, it's almost inextricable from who I am as a person, the music. Yeah. So that's, that's what I yeah, love. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. And, and that is, that does kind of make it sound, that's why, you know, when I was joking about the restraining order and obsessed, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well, making, I, I'll say I, I'm obsessed a bit. I'll, See, I'll, Kenny is, yeah. Ephraim, I've, I've just known you just a few minutes and I can already tell you're more uh, stable and uh, well-centered <laughs> and you are more professional. If you want a restraining it. order, there's someone here that you <laughs> exactly. can get one again. So, uh, <laughs> so you two know, I'm, I'm assuming you two know each other through Tori and through uh, Ephraim's uh, Yeah, through the bar circuit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The bar yeah. circuit. The, bar, the okay. Atlanta bar scene. So no, what, that's uh, not how we know each other, actually. We know each other through the Tori Amos community. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and so yes. just to let you know that I, that I, I was aware, um, I was aware of Tori Amos before this. And you know what I realized? I actually own a Tori Amos record, which I forgot, what? but I bought uh, Strange Little Girls when it came out. Oh, what? Because I really liked uh, the song. I heard the uh, Strangler. She did the song Strange Little Girl. And I, and I said, wow, that's great. And I bought that CD. And it's great. I love that CD. And I listen to that CD a lot. And I think it's really great. So I'm a fan. I would say I'm a fan of Tori Amos. And I've heard a lot of her music. And I've dived here and there. I've listened to it. But I've never, I've, I never did like I did this week. Just sat down and concentrated 
on uh, a record and uh yeah she's there was no denying she's great she's unbelievable she's magnificent well, I'm, she's, uh, I'm she's happy to finally be bringing a little beauty <laughs> to your world <laughs> <laughs> finally i mean not that not anything against prefab sprout and ween however oh, okay. <laughs> I, well, I want you to love her as much as you love them <laughs> i don't well no i didn't i mean i didn't bring uh, you know not here guess, to the <laughs> the guests are the ones that bring in the record so usually they're oh, okay. not necessarily any record i do is something that i love uh sometimes it is but usually it's whatever the guests bring rob if i could say as a quick side note if you like strange little girls and i agree that that album uh was completely brilliant um the tour that she did to promote that album uh a solo tour was uh probably one of my favorite tours that she has done it started within a couple of weeks of not right after 9-11 um, and so, you know, it was a very, um, you can understand the context going into uh, a tour with that kind of timing. Um, and if you pull up performances um, on YouTube or, or wherever, um, I think you'll really get a kick out of it. Oh, okay. Like yeah, no, yeah. I will. I've been looking. I mean, you, you sent me some things to check out and I definitely did. All right. So before we start digging into this record, um, I just, there's one question, obviously, that I felt asked, but I, I think I already know just from listening to a, a couple of your uh, episodes, Ephraim, why why there is so many uh, gay, uh, why so many in the gay community. And and I and in reading about it, I read that she kind of they were the original fans because they really like like Ephraim, like you were saying, it was something that you just uh, it, it like meant so much to you. And it was something that helped you when you were, uh, you know, uh, discovering who you were. And, and um, is it but that's like some special thing that she has. She has this connection with that audience. Right. Yeah. I think that um, Nancy Bennett, we interviewed Nancy Bennett, who directed uh, the video for Cornflake Girl. And we interviewed her and she said it best, which is, you know, we were t- had this conversation, which is like Tori is excavating like all the sides of herself and finding out why. Like she's made this commitment, this actual commitment to figuring out her darkest reasons behind things and to understanding every facet of herself. And when you're when you're a gay kid growing up um, to hear someone like dissecting the shadows and who, someone who feels like an outsider and doesn't feel like they belong like naturally that translates to your life right. and that's what you sort of make that connection to the music um, you know she's going through her own stuff and writing about her own stuff but it's it's like so I'm sure Kenny would agree it's so like universal and it translates across the board so I think that's a, a lot of why she resonates with the gay audience but frankly in 96 with this album there was like a concentrated push to to gay media like her first two records little earthquakes and under the pink she had a lot of like straight white male guys like computer nerds came to see her shows okay they loved her because she was like a rolling stones girl and she was like a led zeppelin chantus you know they loved her but in 96 with boys for pele because it was a breakup record and it was really dark they were like who's gonna understand this the gays so they (laughs) they advertised in the advocate they advertised in out she had a she always this close to having a remix record, but still had number one remix with Armand Van, Armand Van Helden for Professional Widow. Right, like right. it was in the gay scene at that time. But that was like a an effort. That was a marketing effort, which because they knew how much we would get the music because she knew how much we got the music. Right, and she came up with gay guys, you know. So yeah, yeah, and it, and it was it was her first self produced album. 
And yeah, and she would continue to produce her own albums moving forward. And it's just very impressive because she's someone you could tell that uh, she's like a really true artist because she, she knows exactly she wants to present things the way she wants to do it. And she doesn't care about how it's going to come across or if it's going to be weird or whatever. She's going to follow whatever her muse is. She's going to follow it. Well, I think a great example of that, and Ephraim, correct me if I'm wrong, but but going back all the way to little earthquakes, um, if I recall the story, um, when she gave the album to the label, they wanted her to replace all of the piano tracks with guitar. And she, oh wow, <laughs> and, right? And like, can you imagine that, right? And she refused to do that, and the album came out, I guess, as it was, and you know, changed the world. So. <laughs> Well, changed your, well, I mean, your world. Little, it changed the whole world. It really well, changed. It, it was music. very revolutionary really in the music business, obviously, yeah. and it was a, a huge, huge record. Yeah, yeah, world. and she and uh, and this record, I guess, wasn't necessarily received that well by maybe Ephraim. You were talking about her early fans. Maybe those fans maybe didn't receive this record as well. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, this was a very for everybody. This was a very div- divisive record. Like the label, radio. You know, everybody turned their back on her here. Yeah, and and aside from it, it's just being um, you know very uh, different in the way she, in the way she recorded it and the way she's presenting it. It's also a very feminist uh, record, very female centric in a way that I would think some some guys that weren't comfortable with that would would be uncomfortable with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? for sure, for sure. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Yes. So real quick, before we start listening to the songs, tell me, uh, Ephraim, what is the the whole Boys for uh, uh, Pele? It, it was a trip she took to Hawaii, right? Um, yeah, I think that I think the legend has it that on her 94 tour, she was she had a week off in the middle of this like year long tour. And she went to Hawaii and came up with the I guess came up with the title or had a conversation with the with the volcano goddess or something came up with Boys for Pele and uh yeah, I mean, it came in 94. Then she, after, I guess she was going through a bad breakup in 94, like on tour. And she was writing a lot of these songs, I think then, and then in the year after. But they didn't actually start recording it until 95 in uh, a church in Ireland. Yeah, and it's really interesting uh, the way she recorded it too, because she uses, uh, besides the piano, uh, you could tell a lot of it is played is played live. And even some of the songs, you could hear her sort of switching between the piano and the mm-hmm. harpsichord, harpsichord, yeah, which is the other instrument, which is a really, uh, harpsichord for people who don't know, like when you hear it, you know what it is, because it's very old, it, it's like an old-fashioned instrument, and it's it, it, it looks like a piano, but the strings are actually, they're not hit by the hammers, they're like plucked, so one thing that I know about a harpsichord that's hard, like someone who's just a piano player would have to get used to, is that there's no real dynamics with it, like you can't really play loud and soft with the keys, exactly, when you hit a key, yeah. it's exactly what it is, so... The expressiveness you have to come has to come through something else, not through that, not through the dynamics, but how you're playing the notes and maybe how you're spacing the notes and things like that, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, and just like the thrashing that she was doing with it, too, is how... Oh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. of it's punk rock. I would say some of it's totally punk rock. For sure. Um, I don't think I had ever heard the harpsichord or, or at least was that familiar with it before, before this album. And, I mean, you were talking earlier about... Um, the way she appeals to gay f- fans and everything. I mean, I didn't um, fully realize or accept that part of my life um, 
for a number of years after, or at least like late nineties after this album came out. So, so that another, that was the reason I even had gotten into her originally. Well, what are you saying? You saying none of it was, but maybe it was subconsciously though. Maybe you don't even know. (laughs) Possibly, possibly. Um, I'm bringing this back to the harpsichord in a second. Like what appealed to me about her the most initially um, was was strictly from a musical standpoint. I, I grew up playing the piano and was at, like, I had never heard somebody play the piano with, with the specific style that she plays it. Um, and, and particularly in the, in the rest of the context, like in this alternative rock context um, uh, with lead piano like that before. Maybe there were others, um, but I just hadn't heard that before. Um, and so I was just fascinated by by her style um, playing. And when Voice for Pele came out, it was the first album I went out and bought myself from the music store. Um, and I have burned in my memory, I think I was in Naples, Florida, visiting um, my cousins there at the time. And my cousin, uh, Rhea, had had already either heard or, or knew about the album. And she, I remember her telling me, yeah, there's a lot of like this harpsichord in it. I'm like, hmm. And I went and bought it and, and was just fascinating. So I'd never heard this this instrument really before. Um, and then it just went from there. Yep. So all right. So let's uh yeah, let's get started on it. Uh it opens up very soft. Beauty Queen and, and then uh horses. She has a lot uh, the way she did it, she has these little interlude songs that start each if it was an album that would start each side of it. Uh, all right, let's listen to a little bit of the opening Beauty Queen and Horses. Thank you. 
yeah, her playing, just her piano playing is like, is just so That's good. And, yeah. and yeah, one thing I wanted to point out uh, that I was reading that they use a Leslie uh, cabinet, which is this big this cabinet that's got like a speaker with uh, with a drum that rotates it to give it the sound and you could hear when you listen she it's it's getting flicked on and off the leslie you could hear it and I, it's just so cool it just brings you so or at least me listening to it it brings me so into it because you could just hear that uh you know the music it's being made right there and uh yeah it's 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 great yeah and to speak to what you said earlier about like how you can hear her switching between the instruments and how you can hear sort of the texture of that that is to me what makes this album one of the like greatest albums ever recorded like the, the environment is such a part of the record the environment yes, yes. is such an instrument in the record like if there's one track where you can hear a bull in the background like the, you can hear cars yes, yeah, in the right, distance right. So it's like such a, it's just so environmentally recorded. It's just, yeah, the Leslie cabinet to open the record, everything, the texture. Yeah. So Ephraim, Kenny said this was the first one he got, but were you, were you already a fan of Tori or was this your entry? In- I oh, came in. I was already a fan. This was just the first one. I oh, okay. okay. I, I inherited the first two albums from Brian Franklin. Oh, you're bro- really? Oh. Okay. Oh. Look, at Look at Brian. I'm a fan from the first record as well. So, you are? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So were you, when you got this one though, did it, did you say, Oh, okay. <laughs> so this one came, yeah. You know, when the first, so I was, you know, I was coming to terms with my sexuality. <laughs> I was discovering who I was and I, and there was a full page ad in the advocate and the advocate was being like passed around among my friend group, like secret you know, like, oh my God, did you see this this picture of Tori and the advocate? Right. And she's like laying there in a couch with like a like a tribal tattoo on her arm, doing her best lesbian pose. And um with I thought the album was called Boys for Peel. I was so young. I was like, what is Boys for Peel? What does that mean? I gotta get this record. So I knew I just I don't know, it was the first time I don't I don't I was I was into it from the moment I saw that picture. Right. And when I got the record, I like it, it freaked me out. It scared me. Cause it's a little hard to digest, but I instantly like fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. But it did freak me out. So just, yeah. uh, just in reading a, a lot of the, a lot of the lyrics are very, uh, dense and I th- feel like there's so much going on, but I, I don't know for me, the horses, do you think the horses are like an escape? Like they represent an escape and that's why she's starting it with that. They, the horses, the, the whole album is a novel. The whole album is from beginning to end a story of this woman who goes into the underworld is, is trying to find her fire. She's trying to reclaim her fire. So boys for Pele, the men that brought her to her fire, what they gave her and what they didn't give her that forced her to have to find her own. So she, the whole album is a journey and the horses, she gets on the horses and goes into the underworld. That's what the horses represent. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. And, then, oh. and, and then let's go right into the, uh, the second track. Let's listen to a little bit of blood roses. Blood roses, blood roses, back on the street now. Blood roses, blood roses, back on the street now. Can't forget the things you never said on days like these. Starts me thinking. 
chickens get a taste, you'll make it. Chickens get a taste, you'll make Yes. You gave him your blood and your warm little down. He likes killing you after you're done. You think I'm queer? I think you're queer. Say I think you're queer. I think you're queer. I shaved every place when you've been born. I said I shaved every place when you've been. Born. There's there's so much to unpack there, right? (laughs) I was, you know, for me it's very bucolic at this point. It's like, oh, memories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure. All right. So, but take yourself back, uh, Ephraim, to when you first get this. Did did the album Uh uh, come with lyrics? Did it come with a lyric sheet? Mm -hmm. It did. Okay. It comes with an incredible booklet with incredible photography by Cindy Palmano. and yeah, stream of consciously. Like the the lyrics are all typed stream of conscious. Like, you know, just sort of like in a, with line breaks that make no sense sometimes. And yeah. Right. But that, and it's funny because I was reading some reviews, some reviewers didn't like that. And they say, oh, it's too stream of conscience. But to me, when you really read into it, they, they are stream of conscience, uh, but they also sound very uh, personal too. Like oh, you could totally. T- you, you know? So she's not just throwing out stream of conscience because you could tell it's also extremely personal to her. Like she knows oh, yeah, I would never, saying. I would never actually describe it as stream of conscience, but the way they, the way they're right. formatted in the booklet for right. sure. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny, you were not, you don't really listen to the lyrics, right? So you know. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> I very much do. I very oh, much okay. do. It takes me a second, I'm, and then I get to them. Right. Yeah. No, that's fine. So, I, I know some. Uh, believe me, I have plenty of people on the show that just you know some people are more. They sort of get it. Either the lyrics. I always feel like the lyrics get in no matter what. Even if you say, "Oh, I'm not a lyrics person," good lyrics are are going to get into you in a song. Oh yeah. I wouldn't you know? say I'm not a lyrics person. I just say the very first thing I'm 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 hearing and focusing on is the music. Um, and I, I very will, very often will end up knowing the lyrics just from listening to it so much. I mean, I, I have sat and read through these lyrics listening, you know, a number of times over the years. Um, and I find them fascinating. I very often don't know what she's talking about. Um, sometimes I, I do. Sometimes I think I yeah, do. Well, some, sometimes, I mean, when she says, and I shaved every place where you've been, boy, I mean, come on, that, uh, that you, you, right. yeah, you, uh, it's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but she's really good at throwing out these very strong and also the chickens when when chickens get a taste of your meat girl i love there's just something weird about me whenever someone puts chickens in a song i'm on board <laughs> i don't know or why, in front of I'm me on, on a plate <laughs> i'm into it yeah and i'm just i'm I, on board i kind of have this vague recollection of um uh not being turned off at all but but being sort of um taken aback when she sings, you think I'm a queer, I think you're a queer, I think you're a queer. Ephraim, I don't, do you know what she's, I mean, I don't know if she's ever talked about what she's talking about there or what the theory is, but it, that word, um, which which now has, um, all of these years later, um, certainly when used in this fashion is, it's kind of a, a, a bad word, you know, that could be a very derogatory statement, right, in, the, in, the, in a different context. But the word has been reclaimed in a lot of ways and in a lot of respects now um it's still a word that kind of makes me cringe a little bit it gets gives me a knot in my stomach and i think i remember 
like whole, like just thinking, oh my god, this is so edgy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Earlier at the time. Wow. I I have no problem with that word. I, as a queer myself, need that word to be in the song for me to go through the emotions I go through when I hear that sure. song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if yeah, in order have... to stick to the topic of your podcast, Rob, like the, that record got me high. This is the moment for me in the drug trip where it's like sudden paranoia sinks in and like, what did I, what have I done? What record did I buy? Oh, because like okay, it was okay. very like it, the music is really, really complicated at this moment. Right. Especially if you're young, if you're like preteen, listening to this for the first time, you, I don't, I don't understand like the harpsichord. I don't understand yeah. this music. She's yeah. suddenly screaming at me right. about being a queer, and <laughs> I'm just like, can my mom hear this in the next room? Like, is this going to be okay? Like, I, I don't know. It was. This is where it was. It started to freak me out a little. I right. knew I. It's like, it's like when you see, I don't know, like a. A kind of dirty scene in a movie for the first time, and you know you're not supposed to be looking. And you but get you, like, that can't. feeling. You just get yes. that really weird and you're feeling. Like, yep. Exactly. <laughs> like put that. Like I'm going to make a mental note to watch that after my parents go to sleep. Right. Like, and I'm going to go back to that Efren, channel and see. Or even you have no break because what happens next? Then we go right into Father Lucifer. So let's well, my family it. wasn't religious, so that was fine. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's. <laughs> well, anyway, let's listen to a little bit of Father Lucifer. Okay, so I, I was reading. She has said that she did these ceremonies with a South American yeah. shaman, right? Mm -hmm. And she mm -hmm. kind of saw. She felt like, and maybe not, you know, actually saw the uh, devil Lucifer. But uh, also, I read at some point did did her dad think this was about him? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's told that story. Like it's it's so funny because because he he comes to her like just really upset apparently you know about he's a minister oh, don't forget right he's right, a right. he's a preacher yeah and 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 he's like you know i can't believe like you would say this about me or something to that effect and and, and she's like well which song he's like father lucifer and then she's like oh no 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 like you missed you know i, I was just doing drugs and blah blah you know went on journey <laughs> and he's apparently like oh well thank you jesus yeah you know? praise jesus yeah thank you it was only <laughs> thank god it was only the drugs <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know what? Uh, in listening to the record, like at first, it, the music is very sophisticated. There's a lot going on, but then as you go through it, you realize, wow, you know what? There, the songs just get under your skin, and there is melodies. There's there's a lot of great melodies, but it's very sophisticated. So it's not something maybe you're gonna get uh, the first or second listening. You really gotta you really gotta dig into it. And then as I was listening to the record, I realized, uh, wow, yeah, there is. There's some really great songs on here. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not a party record. Like yeah. it's a dark it's night of the soul record. Well, at, at uh, Kenny's house, maybe it's a party record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, sad I didn't party be invited to that party. I know. <laughs> it's like a crying party record. There you go. I could picture Kenny having one of those. All right. So this next song, uh, "Professional Widow." Let's let's listen to it, and then there are some rumors about uh, this one, who it's about. But let's listen oh. to it first. A little... I hated the song at first. Really. Reddit. I was like, "What is this noise?" When I first heard this, oh, when wow. we're talking, yeah, when it we're took talking me a about long time to realize and appreciate it. I love it now. Like it's it's a it's a masterpiece. When we're talking but, about Tori Amos using the harpsichord as punk rock, I think that this is what we mean. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Such yeah. a punk rock exactly. moment. Exactly. All right, let's listen to a professional widow. Great. It's just so great. I I really like that. And and we should mention uh, the band, the other, the musicians playing on this record are all really great. She has a great uh, group of musicians that, that don't overplay, but when they come in, they uh, commit and it's really good. Yeah. This record has over, I think, 75, I think it's 78 musicians total on the record. <laughs> There's a yeah. lot of but it's great yeah, because she yeah. just, you could tell she's someone that, you know, this is what I want to do. I, I want this in here. I want this. But uh, it's great. All right. So who, what's the rumor that who this song is about? Um, the rumor, allegedly, allegedly, it's about Courtney Love. Allegedly. Yeah. And she yeah. does. I mean, she mentions like when she's talking Mother Mary, China White, Brown Maybe Sweeter. She's talking about drugs. She's talking about cocaine and, and heroin. <laughs> she's talking about drugs. <laughs> Oh uh, specifically, she's talking about heroin and uh, yeah, cocaine, heroin, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's one of these things where if, as soon as someone puts it in your head, then you read it and you go, "Oh yeah, that's it," you know. But who knows? <laughs> 
No, I mean, she, she's made, she's, you know, the thing that I really respect about Tori is that she's like not, she doesn't talk shit in the media. <laughs> she doesn't like, she never really says anything bad about anybody. Oh, nice. Um, but the meanest thing she's ever said, kind of, is when somebody confronted her or asked her in an interview. Um, so you wrote Professional Widow about Courtney Love and Tori herself said, allegedly. <laughs> Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> and then they said, well, well, what was it about her that fascinated you so much? And she said, I don't think fascinated would be the word. Right. <laughs> um, and then proceeded to say basically that when you're a certain kind of person that acts a certain kind of way, then there's a certain amount of consequences that you face later in your life, which kind of confirmed that the song was about Courtney. Yeah. Um, but just the word star fucker confirms that for, I think, everybody. <laughs> I know. And it's Courtney Love. I would say even someone that's great and doesn't talk shit, it's Courtney Love. So <laughs> She threw a compact at Madonna. Have you exactly. seen that? Exactly, yeah. She's, she's, kind of, she's, yeah. she's been horrible. I don't know. Maybe she's better now, but she's had her horrible. I mean, I have no shade against Courtney. No shade against Courtney, but um, I do. Th- I believe the song is about her. Okay, and you had also mentioned this was a remix. They did a remix. Who did a remix Armand Van Helden did a number one remix. Yeah, yeah, very Star Funk Trunkin' mixer. Star Trunk Funkin' mixer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right, and uh, so now we have another interlude. We're not going to play every clips of every song in here because there are a lot of things, and like I said, there's some interludes. But Marianne, this next song, Marianne, this is another one that got under my skin and I ended up really yeah. this song. And uh, yeah, let's listen to it. We could talk about it after. Let's listen to a little bit of Marianne. Tuna rubber, little blubber in my igloo, yeah. And I knew you, pigtails and all, girls when they fell. And they said. Sad sounding, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that song that performed that that song that you just played was recorded like the first time she ever played it, ever sang it. I it read all came that. Out, yeah, it came out all at once. I read that, and that just blows that just blows my mind. Uh, yeah, I, I I have that in my notes. I was going to say that. Yeah, she's super talented. Yeah, and I guess her <laughs> husband is she still married? Because the guy that did the was the sound engineer, Mark Holly. She ended up marrying him, right? She's still married. To yeah. Him? Oh, yeah, nice. still married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was blind. He, he's the one that said he said that was the first time any of them heard it, and their, their jaws must have just been hanging down. Yeah, they're still kicking. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. Good to know. Look at that. All right. So this uh, this was the lead single off the album, and also it's kind of cool. 
that uh, this was like the first song by a major artist that was sort of made available on the internet before it was uh, released in uh, in regular formats. And that was like, now it's like, it's no big deal, but it was a big Mm -hmm. deal then. It was the first time. And I guess, because they said her early fans were very tech-centric, right? Oh, yeah. For some reason. Yeah, her early fans were the computer nerds and they made so many websites (laughs) and then the gays took them over and we made our own. (laughs) We we had the Rainbow Tory ring and the Tory Fairy ring. They're fine. No one's going to want to listen to a podcast with a computer nerd, though. Come on. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Please. All right, let's listen to this one. Uh, Caught a light sneeze. getting into Tory did you did you like find your other Tory fans and your uh, Tory people pretty quickly or did you guys was it just sort of like your own thing for a while um I can go first I I made all my friends Tory fans okay. <laughs> I made them all become Tory fans <laughs> um and then when I got the internet in my house then I then I was able to meet other like organic Tory fans from right, across right, the country right. but yeah I made I I everybody my age I basically turned into a Tory fan. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Kenny, how about you? Um, well, I mean, I knew a couple through Brian, <laughs> actually one of his friends took me to, to my first concert of hers in 98 down at the Sunrise Musical Theater. You may recall that venue. Um, but, uh, I don't think I really, I, maybe in college, was when I really started to, which was in 2000, you know, a few years later, I think that's when I started to really discover more of them out on my own. And somewhere around there is when I discovered the, uh, the den. When you discovered, I was going to say, when, when you discovered Ephraim's podcast, you must've been like, were you like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Dent, for those who don't know, the Dent, which was like www.igloo.net slash tilde Mike Y, was written, there's a, a website called the Dent, a Dent in the Toriumist Net Universe. And it was run by this guy named Mike Y, Michael Whitehead, who still is a legend, still is an icon. If you catch him at a show, like you have to get your picture taken with Mike Y, because he ran the best site on the internet for Toriumist fans. It was so complete. So it had everything that you could imagine tour dates, set lists, reviews, TV appearances, Tori out in the wild pictures, fan picture. It had everything you could imagine. Oh, okay. And it was a place. And then it, and then it had forums eventually it got forums. And then he on, he surprised everybody on January 1st, 2000 by creating the dent.com and his site was the dent suddenly. Oh, okay, and okay. it just became this place that Tory fans could go and like meet friends and to make friends and meet friends and learn about Tory and get all the information. Yeah. Yeah. And Keeper, I, the, the fact that you um, noted in the list of things on that site, the fan photos um, reminds me of something we should mention to Rob, which is, um, the meet and greets that Tori what had been doing, which I cannot believe I didn't realize she was doing until like I went to the Scarlet's walk tour, I think. And that's when I did it or no, no, I realized it's strange little girls, but, um, but Rob, I mean, she was regularly and, and still does uh, except for COVID right now, um, do these meet and greets, um, before the shows, um, it used to also be after the shows, um, with fans and, and, uh, it was so like, I mean, it's, it's this intense, I, I don't know if a lot of other artists do it the way she does on the, the sort of regular basis. And she has talked often about how, how critical these are for her um, to figure out and understand who are the, you know, the audience that she's playing for. And she uses it to build her set list, which change every single night. Oh, right. Wow. And so, um, so, so anyway, I was reminded of this because on that, that site, you know, if you got a photo with her, um, you could send it into, and it would get on the site. Right. Um, but this was a big thing kind of going on in the background for people. Yeah. The mean greets are crucial. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's cool. Good for her that she's actually, uh, enjoy, obviously enjoys doing it and get something out of it. Cause I know, I know I, I I'm always sketchy about meet and greets. I, I'm not, I'm not a fan when, um, when the artist is clearly doesn't want to do them, you know, then, yeah. and it's just like, they just stand there and it's like next, next. And you know, then, but if it's someone that's, she's engaged and she enjoys it. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Ephraim, she talked about, I think, like, does this have to do with nuns? Is she talking about nuns? Or she, she's made some reference to nuns in some of the interviews. Yeah, like the nuns, the background vocals are provided by her invoking Inanna or whoever. Oh, yeah, the, the nuns. Sumerian goddess of love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. Hi, Rob. Yeah, invoking the nuns and... Uh, trying to it's a breakup song really and it's like about crawling on your knees and like when when someone that you need want love you won't love you okay so even i i did notice a line and i looked it up i didn't put it two and two together but what she says cuddle light sneeze uh, uh dreamed a little dream made my own pretty hate machine did she de- did she date trent reznor for a while and if she did that has to be a, li- a little dig to him right <clears throat> I mean, they've never officially said they dated, but there's, you know, of course there's rumors. Yeah. Yeah. And then like more interestingly though, when she would do this song all through like 96, she would, she would always, not always, but often intro it with like a acapella 
version of her version of Hurt, like a riff on oh, Hurt. Okay. <laughs> and then in '98, there's a really incredible performance on Sessions at West 54th where she kind of nails him. She says in the middle of the song, "You said I hurt myself today. You never could. You never did. You're full of shit." Wow. <laughs> it's a really great performance. So I, rumor, you know, you have to just, I think, of course they must have had something. Right, right, right. Oh, good for her. Um, I, I, will, I would like to add a caveat. So, um, Rob, as you may know, Trent had sung um, backup vocals in the song Past the Mission on the album right before this, Under the Pink. And um, Ephraim, did you, did you notice... When she was playing Past the Mission on this tour, I was 99% sure they were playing his background vocals. They did. They sometimes played them and then they sometimes didn't. That's what we were hunting. Sometimes they would play them and sometimes they wouldn't. I guess it would depend on her mood, Tori's mood. Yeah. Throw Trent in there or not. Uh, Real quick before we move on, I I just want to say I'll probably play a little bit of it. There's a part in the song where the music pauses and you could hear her switch from the harpsichord uh, to the piano. And it's just so cool because you could hear it. You could hear the stop move to that. Time you get closer and closer. And yeah, like you were saying, Ephraim, that's so cool on this record. I love it. That it's or- so organic and you could hear them creating the music uh, while they're doing it. It's great. I love it. All right, so I let's listen it. to the next song. I got some things to say about this one. I'm sure you guys too. Muhammad, my friend. if you guys think for me i feel like this is a big song on the record like this is kind of like the in a way it's like the overlying theme of the record is is encompassed in this song oh interesting yeah i just got that i i don't know i just got that vibe in uh in uh what she's singing about we both know it was a girl back in bethlehem and on that faithful day when she was crucified uh you know so i don't i don't know i i to me it just feels like a like a big centerpiece to the record i love hearing that i mean to me it's it's for me probably the biggest outlier of them all 
Um, it's definitely a deep cut. She doesn't play it that often. Rarely, rarely. Oh, okay. Because yeah. Kenny actually sent me a video of Maynard from Tool uh, singing it with her. Yeah, that's it's, great. It's really good. And it's, yeah. it's great just watching it. It's just great seeing her sitting there playing piano, singing it with him. And she's so good. Like, I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, is that real? Is that real? Because it just sounded, how does it sound so good? Yeah. Yeah, she's great. But yeah, that, it's it's great. And you could tell uh, she like uh, the Maynard, it, it figures she likes him because that guy is uh, a weird dude. But she, yeah. she apparently really <laughs> likes him. Well, I wanted just to, what you said. I feel like I didn't do justice for Father Lucifer because I think if you're gonna crystallize Tori's thematics, okay, like the the concept of this underworld, this like excavating of self or the shadow self that she's going on, right. and the, the journey that she's going on this record, plus her religious themes that have been present throughout her entire career, plus the feminist themes that you identify in the record, and then like the melody and counter melody that she's so good at. Uh, that's in Father Lucifer. I feel like Father oh, okay, Lucifer is okay. itself a crystallization of everything she does well. And I feel like my co my podcast co-host would uh, skewer me if I didn't okay, if I didn't point good. out that on Father <laughs> Lucifer. <laughs> so there you are, David. David, that's right. Yeah, David. <laughs> in one of her books, um, she talks about this song, and Ephraim doesn't she? talk about this as being either related to or inspired by the fact that she had had a miscarriage or had miscarriages. Muhammad, my friend. Yeah. Oh, that's news to me. <laughs> in piece by piece. I, I haven't read piece by piece in years since Oh five, Kenny. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, uh, <laughs> I trust you though. If that's what she says, Kenny say it with, say it like you mean it. <laughs> so, so she says in the book, and this is in the song canvas for Muhammad, my friend. And she says, uh, I'd gone to the underworld to try to claim my daughter back. I went to the edges, the parameters of what I know about consciousness on this plane to try to make deals with the Christian God, with the Islamic God, a relationship I explore in Muhammad, my friend. I was willing to do whatever it took to bring her back, anything, anywhere. I was negotiating, just saying, if you will give me my daughter, thinking I would get pregnant again and her spirit would come back, not accepting that she'd moved on and picked another mommy, which is very hard to come to terms with. Well, I take that as thematically, like obviously that's from the Choir Girl Hotel, but she's talking about having explored the relationship between the Christian God and the Islamic God in Muhammad, my friend. But this song predates any of that like medical stuff. That's interesting. So you're right, because it did predate it. I wasn't even thinking about the timeline. So, so she must have just been thinking back to the song and this is this is how she was eh, you know what you know one thing we we say on this show a lot of time don't always trust the artist for to give them. i agree a thousand <laughs> thank you yeah. i agree <laughs> you can yeah. ask tori the simplest <laughs> most straightforward question and get the most roundabout answer that yeah, basically yeah. she could just say i don't remember right exactly but they and they like to change the narrative sometimes and yeah. break it up oh, and yeah. you can't they're not reliable they're not reliable. i would trust our podcast Ephraim, with your <laughs> yes. podcast i would trust yes. you more than tori Archive, thank exactly. You. <laughs> All right. So, Hey Jupiter, supposedly, this is one supposedly written. So, who was she was going through a breakup with this guy, Eric Ross, who, who was the guy who produced.
produced co-produced her first two albums, right? Right. So this guy, we hate this guy, right? He's an asshole. Do we hate? No, him? he's an awesome. Oh, okay. He, sorry. He helped <laughs> her make amazing music, and I think that she still respects him and loves him. Oh, okay. But... I'm sorry. I don't know. I just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's great. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know what. I really don't know what happened, and I. That's the thing about like in the. I try to keep a professional distance from her life because I don't want to like. I don't want to explore too deeply because I don't. I don't need to know like the. I assume that she had like some kind of dark night of the soul or moment of the soul in order to create right. the song. Cause oh, okay. you know, if you listen to the beginning of the song, it mimics so beautifully the, the busy signal. Like you're calling someone and you're just getting a busy signal. They're oh, not right. answering yeah, the song. And, uh, no one's picking up the phone. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So let's go into Hey Jupiter. No one's picking up the phone. Cause it's me and me. And this little massacre, she's ready to confess all the things that I never thought that she could feel. Hey, Jupiter, nothing's been the same, so are you gay? Are you blue? Thought we both could use a friend to run to And I thought I wouldn't have to be with you Something new Yeah, so this one just feels pers- very personal, just the way she's singing it, you know. Yeah. And uh, one uh, one sad. thing, yeah, one thing this reminded me uh, that I wanted to ask you guys: uh, the way she sings a lot of times, the way she does this, that very up close, and you hear every little her, her lips, you know, on the words and everything. Um, I wonder if uh, Billie Eilish was a, was a fan of her at all, because that's one thing I noticed when Billie Eilish first came out. I noticed that she had that style and and the way she you sing sometimes it makes you pay attention even more to what they're saying because it just sounds so intimate and close like they're mm. like they're whispering it in your ear you know so i was wondering if she was a fan oh, that's interesting you're right i do uh hear her vocals very clearly when i like hear a billy eilish song for sure and lana del rey you don't like Billie, Lana Del Rey? I, I don't. I don't, you know, I don't. And it's probably, it could just be me. I don't know. I just don't like <laughs> I think it is just you. It, well, it is, obviously. It could, yeah. Wait, you don't like her. Lana Del Rey, Rob? I don't like her. I don't like how she presents. I don't like to present the um, Lolita, the Lolita thing and the... We'll have to do a, We'll have to do. We'll have to do a. This record got me high, or that record got me high with uh, ultraviolence. All right, all right. We'll see. Mm, grumble, grumble. <laughs> <laughs> and now this one, Little Amsterdam, is kind of a. It's like a story song, but abs- again, very abstract, but also feels uh, personal. But I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like it's something personal with her. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Little Amsterdam. Amsterdam in a southern town Harmony get it on the plate girl 
Mama, keep your head down. Mama, it was my bullet. Don't take me back to the rain. Back to the range. I'm just coming out of the cell in my brain. Take me back to the range Back to the range Cause girl, you got to know these days Which side you're on Yeah, so just the, just again, just the, the musically alone, uh, really great groove uh, with these guys. I guess um, bass player, I'm seeing George Porter, and I'm seeing Manu Ketch, Ketchy on drums. Manu Ketchy. Ketchy, yeah. But uh, great, just great players, great great groove, you know? It's just really good. Yeah, I love Little Amsterdam. I love it. I feel like it's probably a fan favorite. Oh, is I it? Mean, okay. I, I mean, Ephraim, wouldn't you agree? I, yeah. She does play this a lot. I'm just coming out of the cell in my brain, I think is a very well-written line. Later on, right after the clip you had played, she goes to say, goes on to say, mama got shit. She loved a brown man. Then she built a bridge in the sheriff's bed. I mean, there's just so many things that are going on here. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great live song that she, I mean, she, it's, it's, I will say when she did it just recently in Atlanta, it was like on fire. It was one of the best versions I had seen. Nice. In my how many team. how many times who's who's seen Tori Moore? I'm gonna guess. There's Ephraim. not even a debate here. Yeah. What? what? Seen her? Who me? Yeah. <laughs> me? What? That's great. We, there's no need no, for no, show okay. counts on this episode. No. <laughs> I, when you bring when you bring yeah, the Tory yeah. fandom to the regular community, <laughs> exactly. like to the community um, at large, right, when you bring a Tory song. fandom out into the pu- into public, you can't mention things like show counts. Like you said, it's like, funny. No, with all the no. themes going on, we're just trying to be album, accepted. You could just say, we're just trying to talk about a record. <laughs> It's a breakup album in a way. It right? is a breakup yeah, album. It is. Absolutely. It's so funny. Hell yeah. Uh, all right, let's listen to a little bit of Donut Song. Hand me a trick and a kick and your message. You'll never gain weight from a donut. Then thought that I could decipher your message. There's no one here to
So I guess for me, I don't know if I'm being too literal, but kind of a clever message about, you know, to be uh, fulfilled. Uh, if, if all you seek is something that may seem fulfilling, like a donut, it it's actually could be empty like a donut hole, right? Is that, is that You kind of... hit it right. I hit the nail right on the head, Rob. Oh, okay. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> like you're never going to find peace and happiness or you're never going to be fulfilled with something like shallow and meaningless. Right, 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 right. Uh, so another thing I was going to ask you, like when you discovered Tori, like what other music were you listening to at the time? When you were uh, you're a young kid, uh, what were you into? And then did Tori like sort of shift you away from certain uh, artists or certain types of music? I'd love to hear from Kenny first before I reveal my humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kenny, well, I think, feel like I kind of know Kenny already, but good, Kenny. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think the answer is? I, I, I feel like you were influenced a lot by your big brother, by Brian. So maybe it's like Springsteen and U2 and things like that. Tom Petty. That's what I'm <laughs> guessing. Um, I'm not sure I like your tone. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I mean, yeah, I grew up in a in a house, and it it was not just my brother, but but my amazing parents who, I I mean, they they knew how to raise a child with good music. So all of the the classic rock, you had been mentioning, um, thank you, and including, um, I should say, well, I thought it was my first concert, and then Brian told me recently after, um, you know, I've been alive for thirty years. Um, plus 10, but he finally told me this was actually my second concert, but Rod Stewart. So I, you know, I was really into like the ballady stuff, right? That's why I, I was like, when I first heard, um, professional widow, I was like, no, this is too much for me. But, and it took me a few years to really get into the, the more punk rock stuff, but uh, okay. I don't know that she took me away from other things. I don't, I mean, maybe, I guess she did because I started listening to her a lot. <laughs> so. I mean, All right, Ephraim, I can't hold back anymore. I got to hear. <laughs> you know, uh, I was young, so and I was gay. I came out really, really young. I knew I was gay even younger, but I went directly from Madonna to Paula Abdul. I was like living in the Paula Abdul fandom for a minute. Okay, okay. Made a very significant leap to Sophie B. Hawkins because, damn, I wish I was your lover. Was bare. I was like having an awakening there and then went straight from Sophie, like discovered Sophie and Tori at the same time. I could easily be sitting here talking about tongues and tails, but Tori just took me. She, 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 yeah, she was, yeah, it was amazing. Okay. Oh, that's not bad. I didn't know. God knows, God knows what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> well, Paula Abdul, Vibology, it, yeah, it still slaps. Huge, it she slaps. <laughs> It still slaps. He's fine. Um, all right. Rob, you want to know something funny about this whole gay thing that keeps coming up? This, this whole gay thing. That, that when, when I, um, and I can't believe I'm, I'm saying this on national television here, but um, when I first told my parents, um, had the conversation about the sexuality, I actually, at the time, and, uh, you know, I came out as bisexual, and I remember saying something to them about not and and they could care less what someone's sexuality is is very very liberal family thank god yeah um but but they I, I remember saying to them at the end of the conversation that um as proof that i'm actually bisexual and not just gay that you know i still want to marry tori amos as if that was <laughs> evidence of, of of like the heterosexual side right no but now, um, i hope i hope you eventually realize that that is not proof though <laughs> 
<laughs> it was that and, and yeah, and, and screaming yeah. Whitney Houston music when I was five. I guess there were there were indications. Right. Um, yeah, there usually are. There usually are. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, I feel like I feel like she definitely, as the record goes on, it, it's definitely um, loosen. I don't know if I want to say she's loosening up, but she's getting her vibe and uh and and like she's been singing about the the heartbreak and all this stuff but i feel like she's coming through it by the end of it i almost feel like she's coming through it all it, i don't know if that's supposed to be like that but that's how i feel and i feel like that in this song in the spring i love that you are uh like i i would say you're not a tori miss fan that this is like your first deep dive it into is, tori yeah, miss record yeah, totally, right yeah so like i love that that sense is coming through in for you because that is what it is it's like oh, a novel good. like okay. we said beginning to end and at the end <laughs> at the end she like yeah she's able to move on i do and you feel that you know though that's because i'm not an idiot Ephraim. <laughs> <laughs> i believe you All i right, believe you now i believe you now more than ever Rob. that's right you didn't know i, I could have been right i wasn't <laughs> sure right, let's listen to in the springtime of his voodoo I just get that feeling like she's getting through, you know, she's getting through it all and she's, she's getting her groove back on. And, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah I, I like that. And it's funny. I, when I was putting this together, I'm reading, I, I, I put a note on that song. Like it's got some really like crazy lyrics until I got to this next one, putting the damage on, which is the last <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna to. I thought the other one had the craziest lyric, but also again, she's it's great because I love it because it sounds like she's okay, she's moving on, she's leaving the damage in the past. That's that's what I get from this one, putting the damage on. And it just sounds like a fond memory, you know. It just sounds like yes, looking back kind exactly. of peacefully. Now I'm a 
subtle a very subtle chorus but it sort of gets under your skin i really like that uh that final chorus and she name checks who angie D- uh, dickinson who does that mm-hmm. in the song? Who right angie exactly dickinson? that's yeah that's police brilliant. woman yeah. and one thing i wanted to mention that uh, a vibe i get in this and this could be a controversial thing but i get a very and radiohead's okay computer came out a year after this this is her i feel like this is her okay computer because i get I get a little like vibe in this, and this came out before. This came out a year before that. But I what does that mean? That I'm it, not. I I like Radiohead, but I I wouldn't. I don't know what that means. Oh, does that mean that they're like masterpiece? Yes. Okay. Computer, yeah. Many people, and including me, I love that album. And it's considered a masterpiece, and I and it was a big and it's a turning point, and people still talk about it. And I feel like this. I feel like this. Not just uh, there are specific similarities I hear in it. The way the way it's like odd, you know, uh, little odd things stick out here and there and there's very quiet parts and everything yeah it's just i i feel like they're it's it's something that uh maybe if i had gotten into it then the way i listened to okay computer i would have felt the same way about this record back then in uh, 1996 i'll tell you like this is definitely considered by most people especially in the fan community by most tory fans to be her masterpiece to be a turning huge turning point in her okay, career okay um, absolutely. This is, you know, from beginning to end, it's like, uh, you, once you start it, like when you started beauty queen earlier, I was just ready to just like, okay, <laughs> let's do this whole, I was just doing the whole thing at once. Um, like you can't start it without stop. I mean, like you have to go all the way through the journey every time I've been. And, and it's true. And I've been, and I, and I always tell people this, it's like when I get people say they're going to do records and sometimes I'm, I'm not necessarily looking forward to it. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like it, but usually if it's a great, a great, a great records are great records and great music is great music. And, and, uh, you get sucked in, even if you don't want to get sucked into it you get sucked into it and i definitely i agree this album, so, i agree uh, rob that's what unites us there you go and so, kenny did he disappear where'd kenny go i'm right here oh. <laughs> he's there kenny was has been drinking so i don't know uh oh so. i have not no i haven't you said i'm right you here i was listening <laughs> well rob i mean you you had um I mean, you knew her music to some degree, at least like in the 90s, right? Aside, aside I did. From, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, before this album, I mean, had you heard any of this album before? I don't know if I heard this album. I think, I, you know, in going through, I was trying to remember. And, uh, you know, I may have heard that one, that first single. I may have heard it, but, you know, not really. Like I said, I had the Strange Little Girls and I knew some of her earlier stuff. But I, I, I'd always said, oh, wow, you know, Toria, yeah, she's great. She's good. But I never... You know, never dug in because that's that's how it is. You know, you can't listen to everything. Well, I do. I do feel like um, I, th- this album is where things started to transition toward more of the you know cult following type of fan base. Yeah. Well, Kenny, I'm gonna be totally. I'm gonna be totally honest with you. When knowing you, like when when I first met you through Brian and this is little brother, no, your obsession with Tori didn't make me want to listen to her more. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yes, and and um, I'm glad that you brought. Oh, how many times yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> 
but well, that's not and, fair. And, it's not necessarily fair, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> no, well, that's interesting because everybody listens to music for a different reason. Like some people, you know, just like you go to the movies to be entertained. Some people really want like a think piece. Tori is not the kind of person, like, again, you need to like spend time with it. Not everyone's yeah, willing right. to, or exactly. interested in devoting that time or like, can even see that that's what you know i don't know i agree yeah. and seeing obsessive people no no or people but I, that I, I, consume. I appreciate the fact that it's so uh you guys are so heartfelt about it and you're so deeply uh invested in her uh artistry and it's that's great you know what what more can an artist ask i mean you i'm sure she i'm sure she wouldn't well kenny she still might get a restraining order on but Ephraim, i think <laughs> i would uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so kidding, Kenny, e- e- friend, well, Kenny could take it. He's got a, he's got Brian as an older brother, so he's used to. <laughs> well, and, and Brian, and Brian, by the way, who who probably until recently wouldn't have agreed with you that that my my fanhood, as I mentioned earlier, um, can can at times be a bit extra. He he saw the light recently when he came to the concert. Yeah, you took him to a show and he, he loved it, right? Loved it. Absolutely. Loved it. Next time I want to go to a show with you, Kenny. So let's go. Let's do a show together. Let's do one it. One of these days. All right. I'm going to do that. Absolutely. Uh, Ephraim, although maybe Ephraim, I'd probably rather go with Ephraim than you, maybe. Yeah, oh, please. Please do. I would <laughs> love. Seriously? I would love. So, Ephraim, uh, where's the best? Where do you, where's the best place for people to go? Obviously, they could find your podcast. Name all the podcasts again and where. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you can find. So, we have basically we have our main show is drive all night the songs of tori amos and you can find us at songs of tori amos it's we go through every song in chronological order we build a time capsule for every song with quotes with live performances with hidden gems things that have been lost to time we really do a lot of research for every song um so yeah that's at songs of tori amos on instagram twitter facebook yep and if you want to and if you want to support uh, Ephraim, you can go to patreon.com forward slash songs of Tori Amos, right? Absolutely. Please do. There's the most hundreds of hours of audio content at every level, at the $2 level, the $5 level, every it's level, great. there's tons of extra audio content. So, That's yeah. great. Think of all these young kids you're keeping off the streets so. oh. <laughs> and in front of their laptops. I've never thought of it that way. I'm a hero. <laughs> I'm a hero. All right. Don't forget, uh, everyone, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. Uh, Twitter, it's at TRGMH podcast. Uh, you can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Kenny, I'm sorry I didn't ask. Do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I would like to say, um, Rob, uh, happy anniversary to you. Oh, to thank you. <laughs> which I'm kind of curious, like, what what did you not have plans tonight? No, or? we did. It's late. We, we went out to eat. It was late. My okay. wife's been, she's long asleep by now. <laughs> All right. Just wanted to make sure everything's okay. Right. Thirty-seven years, Kenny. <laughs> Jesus Christ, are you serious? I swear to God. Yeah, I know. That's uh, wow. I, was, I was a child when I was married. Yeah. Wow. Years. Uh, don't forget, everyone. Most important, if you want to become a patron of my show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh. I'd appreciate it, guys. This was really fun. This was great. I really. Uh, you're about to get so many patrons. Like this, this is basically <laughs> okay. Like you're welcome. This this was like like your Oprah bump. Right. No, I, I enjoyed it. I, I really I enjoyed talking. I to feel you. like you know, you know, when like vampires, when you like expose them to the sunlight, that's how I felt. Like I am afraid. I'm afraid of the backlash of the normal community. You might lose Patreon supporters. No, no, it's fine. It's going to be fine. Trust me. All right. Okay. So uh, thanks again, guys. This was fun. Uh, we'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Well, she said she'd stick around. Till the bandages came off But the 
these mama boys just don't know when to quit. Matilda asked those sailors, all those dreams are all those prayers. So close your eyes, son. This won't hurt a bit. And it's time, time, time. And it's time, time, time. And it's time, time, time that you love. And it's time, time, time. And it's time.